Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, welcome back to Soul Sisters. I'm Jesse Katz. I'm Dara Gallup. Yes, you are. <laughs> What's up, Dee? We're in a good mood today. We are. Why is that? It's a rainy day, but bringing the sunshine. I don't know. <laughs> you are bringing the sunshine. <laughs> I'm just obsessed with your top. I can't stop oh. admiring. Thank you. I don't know. Um, well, this top that I'm wearing will be featured on an upcoming episode <laughs> with Carla Bruni. So stay yeah. tuned. Go find it on YouTube. Oh, it's making me smile. Um, so guys, it's also National Coming Out Day. Woo. So happy coming out day. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, we had a very good guest to, cel- to celebrate that day with, Julia Weldon, who talked to us about her coming out and her gender identity and her crazy life stories and experience and <laughs> we trials and no travails. Moment yeah. of levity and fun. We all we all shared a lot of things. You shared your love of layers. <laughs> Julie and I shared our romantic history. Right. I felt like I was on in like crashing a date half the time. It was great. It's a pretty zany one, guys. It was I a think throwback to our old style, I yes. would say. Yeah, yeah. We used to sort of go deep and not care about how how tangential we right. we went and made it. Well, as you said at the top of the episode, we should have had whiskey. Yes. But I think once you said that, it like immediately loosened us up even more and we acted like we were drunk. It was the rest just the, the thought episode. of it worked. Yeah, yeah exactly. Power of suggestion. Um, okay, so yeah, and uh, and we we go long in this one. It, um, it's a very unfiltered conversation, so I'm not going to take up too much time with this intro. I think we should just Get let you guys it. hear it. If you don't know Julia Weldon, well, you're about to find out everything about her. Um, but as an artist, you should definitely check out her new album after you listen to this episode. It's beautiful, and she's a badass. And um, here she is, Julia Weldon on Soul Sisters. Julie Weldon, hey. Woo! Hey guys, now I just rambled at you. <laughs> that great. I feel it. Okay, I'm going to say this on the record and then I can decide if I'm going to take it out. There are two reasons why you're on Soul Sisters. Ooh, and I don't I know if you this. know the also, second one. Also, how close should I talk? This is my second Like podcast. that. We can not, you, my, my most professional. There. Okay, cool. See? Deirdre says it's good. Um, I can't wait for this confession. I, this is so I saw you play at Housing Works during Pride when I, I was tagging along with Tegan and Sarah and they surprised everyone at that event and that was awesome you were playing music they like wanted to make sure that they got there in time to see you play and I was like oh that's that's amazing yeah do you know that did not know that yeah Housing Works like sent them the schedule and they were like you can come whenever you want and they were like oh like 
you know, we want to make sure we see Julia's set. I love your face right <laughs> and now. And then I was like, Julia, want to use that? That's cool. Um, and then you were amazing. And I, they're so good at, like, calling out other mm-hmm. artists and mm-hmm. pulling people up and, like, supporting everybody. So, mm-hmm. anyway, that was awesome. The other reason Oh, yeah, why Tegan, like, grabbed my, my arm. Did she? And, and, and I was going to ask if you talked to them. Yeah, yeah. And we can talk about it later if you want. No. Um, well, yeah. go for it now. Tell the story. What happened? So, um... So what happened was, I pl- this is actually really funny. So I didn't know they were there at all. Like right. I, I wasn't warned by uh, Kristen Russo, who's incredible, who uh-huh. organized the entire thing with Gabby Rivera and everyone is gay. So yeah. I'm playing. I'm like mid talking about my next song, and I look out and I see either <laughs> Tegan or Sarah. Yeah. But I didn't see the other one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so, because Housing Works has those beautiful pillars. Yeah. So I've told this story a couple times at shows um, because they're, like, amazing in so many ways. And so I saw, pretty sure, T- I saw Tegan. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm, like, talking. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like, but in my head, internal model, I'm, like, telling this story about my next song, Take It All Back, I think. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, that's Tegan. That's Tegan. Where's Sarah? You know. <laughs> And then I realized so the it whole was. Time the- you're just like, where's Sarah? Where's yeah. Sarah? Yeah, where's She's got to be We're trying. Sarah. They're always Don't together. forget the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, anyway. And but I'm kind of just like straight ahead. And she seemed yeah. really interested in the story I was telling. And then I played my song, and um, she was like really engaged, and it was really beautiful. And then uh, I got off stage, and I didn't want to bother them, obviously. And then um, she grabbed my arm right before they went up to talk about the Tegan and Sarah Foundation, uh-huh. and was like, "You were really, really great. You were really, really." And I was like, uh huh. Like, I was like, Thank you. yeah. And I was just like, thank you so much. And Aww. so it was a it was an amazing moment. And I'm so glad that you were there to catch it. It was both an you? awesome event. I wasn't no, there. I was. They um they agreed to let us follow them around with a photographer to do like a photo diary of the day. Oh, I saw the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was so beautiful. my friend Jenny Regan shot them, and I was like, I'm gonna come along and just like write the captions because I want to be part of that too. So awesome. Yeah. Okay. Second, second reason. reason. God, now I don't even want to tell it. So, <laughs> were we set up on a date once? No, JK. but you're friends <laughs> with somebody who's a good friend of someone that I was dating, and so this whole thing was set up so that we could all hang out together afterwards. Like we were all gonna go out, but then she what and I broke up, the... so now we're oh not all gonna go out. Oh my god! Oh my yeah, god! Like, so, like we're okay. not gonna go out after this actual thing right now. Right. Oh, I'm so Well, I mean, we, is yeah. this, this well, we is, could still is... go out anyway, but like I told you, now I, I like schedule myself a physical in the morning, so I'm not supposed to eat or drink, <laughs> which is like the, the lame real reason why we're not going to go out tonight. Yeah. But Emily was like, oh, Sue has this friend. Yeah, yeah, Sue. Oh, do they work together? They work together. Oh, yeah. S- Sue told me right after you scheduled the interview, Sue was like, oh, oh my she? God, this is so cool. I didn't know if it ever made it back to you. It did. No, okay. it did. So I'm, I know that part of the story, okay, but okay, I don't. Okay. it's weird because I don't know the person you're talking about, okay, which is okay. probably better. Yeah, it's really um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it's fine. It's also, fine. I promise you, I'll be able to convince you to cancel your physical. All right, I'm just gonna. You guys can just have this day right now, and then I'll just come <laughs> back, listen to it. <laughs> we'll bring you into the conversation. Okay. Don't worry. No, I'm um, loving this. This is great. No, but all it was the, funny all because the all the lesbian. Gossip, well, because Emily said to me, she was like, "Oh, Sue was telling me that you should book Julie Walden, who's a friend of hers, da, 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 and Soul Sisters." And I was like, "Oh, I was going to anyway. Actually, thanks for reminding oh, me." Oh, that's so and she was cool. Like, what? And that's I was like, so no, I actually saw her play at Pride, and like, I wanted to. So yeah, totally. That's and I was happen. awesome. Anyway, and yeah. you're here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you made it. And here we are. Here we that's are. all that matters. Now, the now and the here and the. 
more present. Exactly. And, yeah. It was all meant to be. Welcome to Soul Sisters. <laughs> Dara, what do you want to confess? <laughs> okay, you can think about it. Yeah, Confessions about of a rock star. Confessions yeah. of a podcast host. Yeah. That'll be your autobiography when you're ready. <laughs> Okay. We, we, where's the whiskey? It's an evening podcast. It's true. <laughs> Fuck, we fucked we, up. We messed up. We forgot the booze. Yeah. 100%. Takes a couple yeah. for me. Pause. We'll go get it. <laughs> um, anyway, so here you are. Here I am. You have a new album that's out, and it's gorgeous. Thank and you. And that's nice Thank for you. us to oh, be yeah. able to bask in I've, the afterglow of that with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's out. It's out in the world. It feels so good to have birthed a creative baby finally. You did. And it was actually a really quick turnaround comparatively to the last one, but it does feel very was good. It? Yes. It was a totally different process and I feel very fortunate for that. Like Why I, was it so quick? Tell us about it. I'm gonna tell you about it. Um so <laughs> <clears throat> so um I uh I basically did it in the polar opposite way that I did the, the light as a ghost, which I have that I have t shirts for you guys. I have, yes. yeah, I have some swag. Some so much some better than like GW a CD. Swag. It is. Yeah. Uh, well, I have that too. Yeah. But <laughs> well, not to not to knock on it, but like a, a t a shirt's awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. I'm glad that you appreciate them because I just made them, and people are either I love that people are honest. They're either like I like I'm a t shirt person, or like I just have too many t shirts. Kind of that person. That's no. Like, I have, too many I have just started ordering a bunch of new heavy cardigans to wear this winter because I realized so I need, have so mm, many good t shirts now, mm, and I don't nice. want to stop wearing them just because it's going to get cold. Allegedly, it's going to get cold, and we're going to have winter supposedly at some point. Yeah, I'm not so, going. This is insane. Yeah, like really I'm actually hot. starting to get so annoyed that I can't wear my fall clothes. Exactly. I'm, I'm like ready. Wo- I'm doing it even though I'm hot right now. I'm just yeah. like fuck it. I'm wearing a layer. Same. I just sweat <laughs> all the way to work. You are too. You're yeah. You're, I, I'm a layer girl for sure, and I'm just loving this whole <laughs> what thing. Is this and I feel thing you're doing right now. Okay. <laughs> I just feel really sad for anyone who's not watching this because I just feel like I'm like in the middle of this great <laughs> thing. But it, since we might be editing this podcast more than others, let's just say this: I have a question. Where are you buying these cardigans? Like, where are you finding them? Because I love cardigans <laughs> and layers. So I'm not editing anything. I'm just okay. Great. Right now. Even better. Um, You've been punked. This is a podcast uh, yeah. about you, Jessica. <laughs> I'm the sister today. Um, I just ordered one from RVCA this morning. Um, It's like a a chunky cable knit cardigan. Nice. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. Okay. Uh, I inherited another one from my grandfather. Oh, the best. So, sorry, you can't have that. And (laughs) my mom got me one uh, a year ago from (laughs) like Talbot's, I think. But it's very nice. Rocket girl, Talbot's. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Don't make assumptions I, about brands because they'll surprise you. Look, and we're my getting Talbot to cardigan, I've I'm worn it on this judge. podcast before. I dare anyone to go back and try to figure out which one it is. It's cool. Mom, chic is chic. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Talbot's cardigans. Good yes. to know. Anyway, Julie I, lo- and I just I'm got excited into for it. cardigans, actually. I'm obsessed now. So, I can't go. I never you go anywhere without right a layer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a non denim layer or denim only? Any layer. <laughs> Preferably one that can fit in my bag. Or purse. Fair. So like <laughs> I agree with that. Especially especially during this crazy. weird season. <laughs> but literally I bring my one sweater like everywhere. Okay. I feel like I challenge Here's you a- to confess uh, something okay. <laughs> that this counts. What? 
You challenge me to confess something that yeah. I think counts that no, is worth saying. And you think that this counts. Oh, Sorry, I have to document this. this is like really <laughs> okay, here's like, one other little confession. Little Recently, I went to a concert uh-huh. by myself. Yeah. And I wanted to Which have a concert? good view. It was Maggie Rogers. Okay. And Ooh, I wanted Maggie to have Rogers. a good view, and it was amazing. But I confess that I brought wedges, like high, higher heels to change into, like an <laughs> asshole. So, so that, that you by could the see better, yeah. or yeah, oh. so that I changed into. I'm in the middle of a crowd, a crowded nice. and crowd, and you're like, I got my. And heels. I'm like, I can't see. I'm like, oh, the show's about to start, and I'm like blocked by all these people. And I'm like, ding ding, I brought shoes to change. I think into. that's brilliant. That's yeah. kind of fucked really up. Good like, Why I'm is like, it fucked up? Because like, it would be, I would be annoyed with you if you had said I brought them so I could like look cute when I was watching the show. <laughs> I was Fuck about now. to like chew you out for that. I feel like such a like a dyke right now because I do the same thing except I like. I have like dorky sneakers that I bring and then yeah, I'm like so I can walk sneakers. and then like my fly sneakers that, and or my Clarks that are like not as more as yeah, comfortable yeah. and like I feel so guilty when I'm like oh my feet hurt and like some other woman looks at me and she's just like what, what? the fuck what? those look so comfortable what? um wow it's <clears throat> all about perspective here yeah especially so in this city though so hard on the knees and the ankles it's bad why why are we talking about this again you brought us <laughs> t-shirts because you have a new oh, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. But yeah, I'm excited that I can. Um, so you listened to Comatose Hope. Did yes. you listen to Light as a Ghost? Yes. Or? yes. Cool. Um, so Light as a Ghost I recorded in like, well, between like 2011 and 2013. And it took like two years, more like three total, like put it out. And the way I did this one, um, Tegan and Sarah's dr- old drummer actually drummed on that whole thing. Whoa. Yeah. That's uh, on Comatose Hope? On Light as a Ghost, okay. the older one. Um, uh, Adam Crisco. Okay. Yeah. So he, you've he, already he, been anointed by the Tegan and Sarah. Yes. World. I feel very, like, lucky. Um, yeah. I feel like, and yeah, there's, like, a touch of them, like, their sound on that album, and it's very, yeah. like, indie folk pop, but, yeah. like, a little more indie pop than this, I think, in some ways. Like, it's more kind of a <clears throat> the producer I worked with on that one is is he's very linked in with like Dan Romer and um and Ingrid Michaelson. Yeah, mm-hmm. I felt that vibe. <clears throat> totally. Sure. And so as much as I think it's like really beautiful cuz I love that album. Like it's such a great thing that I put out and it was really necessary. Like I was dragging my feet for a long time to put it put out my songs cuz I'm I don't know. I it's I've gotten more and more productive about like churning out the music that I write uh-huh. like and but I'm very I'm like kind of a perfectionist so I think sometimes it takes me a long time to to like make moves to make it I want it to sound perfect so yeah I'm not just gonna like record an EP in my room is what I'm saying you know what okay. I mean so Respect. I like went across to Bristol England to like record this second one even though I had just like survived a life-threatening coma. Right. Okay. Yeah, I know. There's a lot <laughs> There's going so much. In, so. Can we take it back totally. to like where were you in the making of the first album like in your mm-hmm. life in the three or so oh, years before good that? Yeah, so I was in a really tumultuous, insane relationship period and I was actually like kind of leaving one relationship where I had kind of written a lot of those songs, which is interesting because I don't think of it as a productive relationship because it was destructive mm-hmm. and kind of bad mm-hmm. and then but when, good for the old art but good but good for the art i'm like oh shit i wrote half the album in that apartment you know what i mean yeah um were you um, what were you doing uh, like professionally or musically what was your background what were you doing with your life um 
Oh, funny story. Yeah, so I was, so I actually grew up as a child actor. Did you guys know that? No. Yeah. You did? Uh, yeah. It's out there on the internet. What? Yeah. I missed I, it. I thought that was your confession. No. So that was oh. actually kind of a nice, you threw me for a loop. because usually confess like, to me. I, I, am, I am a Meryl Streep fanatic, and so I would like to hear about that. Yeah. What? It's mm-hmm. a whole other. Can we I, just do that quickly? What is that story? Yeah, so I grew up, um, yeah, let's try to do it. It's like a... Okay, guys, I'm going to keep it linear here. <laughs> yeah, right? All right, yeah. we're not editing anything. All right, child really acting, well let's life there. story. <laughs> okay, um, child acting. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm like the least linear, so you can totally be like, rain it in, rain it in. Too Here. bad there's a video. Cause there's no one steering the ship. It's me. fine. Great. It's okay. So, um, I, I grew up child acting, like I literally fell into the industry. I mean, I could tell lots of stories, but... To keep it simple, I, I grew up professionally acting, and I did like, I actually fell into it and ended up in an uh, indie film, like my fourth audition. And um, yeah, I grew up, so I was born in Brooklyn, raised outside the city in Jersey, but like a half hour outside. No, I'm just literally like staring deep into your face now, like I want to recognize you before you reveal. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, yeah, I pride totally. myself on that. Kind yeah, of well, there is a very popular show that I was on that you, a lot of people are like why do you look so familiar? And then I'm like, do you like Law and Order? Oh. Dun dun. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's so cheesy. It's a terrible dad joke. Dang. Were you was not Law and Order? order? I yes, you I, were okay. Law and Order. I was Law and Order. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So some pe- sometimes people like say you look familiar. Okay. And I'm like, well, maybe I just have one of those faces, but maybe you you love Law and Order. Yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah. Right? Do you have a recurring role? No, not even. I just had one ro- role when I was like 15 and then another role when I was... um. Like twenty two, playing a totally different character, right? Yeah, on SBO, so yeah. totally different show. Okay, okay. <clears throat> that shit. Yeah, Lana, there's so many. Um, so many. So, I but I grew up acting and like coming to the city all the time and thinking I was a super cool kid, and like <laughs> <laughs> wishing I lived in the city because uh-huh. I lived right outside, and um, you know, and um, so I grew up auditioning and kind of like in this world, and also I did like an off-Broadway play when I was seventeen, like very like a Beth Henley play. She wrote *Crimes of the Heart*. Cool. So, acting is like a huge part of my performance shtick. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, so like, so then oh, but the Meryl Streep thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I was ten. I got this part on the in the indie film, and then a year later, I auditioned like ten times, but because they were like, "Who is this unknown girl?" <laughs> Um, that looks kind of like Scarlett Johansson, but not more tomboyish, maybe. And but she was Scar ScarJo was like not. We were auditioning for the same shit. Really? Yeah, me, ScarJo, Natalie Portman, like all these, oh God, all these girls. So and then I became like super queer and genderqueer, and I was like, uh, maybe I'll write songs, <laughs> which is like a whole other <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah, okay. that's what we're trying to get. We'll come back to but that. But Meryl okay. Streep, yeah, she's great, and I just did a podcast about her. Actually, what, what did you work with her in? <clears throat> so I worked um, in this movie uh, before and after, and I auditioned many, many times. Got a callback. Did our reading with her. And she was like hugging me and, and you were acting. How old? I was eleven. Wow. So um, I auditioned for that film and and it was like a long shot, obviously, and and I got it. And it wasn't really a long shot. I mean, when you're a kid and you're unknown and you have a natural, amazing natural <laughs> abilities. No, it's just like when you're a kid, kids are so fucking amazing at acting. Like I see yeah. kids act, and I'm like, right, right, right. You're just like feeling your feelings right, exactly. and doing your fucking thing. Yeah. And I think I still like knock on wood have that. It's not something you really, I mean, you get more like rigid, but I still act now, which is, I can talk about. But so I was in this film, we filmed for like two months in the Berkshires. I was a lead role, Meryl Streep and Liam Neeson's daughter, Eddie Furlong's sister, 
How, we're all the same age, I think. Yeah. You, you got, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Dare we say our ages? Sure. Well, I think you said it on like one. one. We were talking about Sophie Pia. <laughs> <laughs> 34. 34. Fuck yeah. 35. Same age. <laughs> same age. I'm about to got upset. You rolled her. It was weird. Um, Sorry. But Just I got my birthday recently. So you're happy about it. I am. I'm great. You're doing awesome. Great. And we Thanks. all have baby faces left. <laughs> but so I did this film and it was an incredible experience. Like Meryl Streep and Liamson's daughter, Eddie Furlong's sister. He is a weirdo. And then Alfred Molina was in it. John Hurt. Like, yeah, all I these don't know this movie. I don't think I know this movie either. So I talked Why about don't this we on know the this movie? I talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. <coughs> about Meryl Streep. Who has a fucking Meryl Streep podcast? It's not a terrible movie. Oh, um, is this, this Meryl guy? Streep podcast? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing podcast. Speak, of, it was, it was it's great amazing. to be on it. Um, so this guy Zachary Scott Johnson, he's actually a singer songwriter, oh. and he's based out of Minnesota. And they contacted me out of nowhere. They contacted like an old manager of mine, and they were like, "We're wondering if Julia Walden will do this this podcast about Meryl Streep." And I was like. Yeah, like, that's so. This is funny. so weird. It's like such a blast from the past. Yeah, and I had like all these intense realizations while I was talking about her, about the ways that she's like shaped my acting. Whoa, it was cool. It was really cool. That's awesome. Um, I want one little one. I know we can't really spend more time. You wait, want one too? I do. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> like I thought that? you were gonna get mad at me. Not at all. Okay. No, not when we talk about oh. Meryl. Okay, right. <laughs> Meryl, um, exceptions for really. This is yeah. actually a Meryl Street Absolutely. podcast. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> just rewatched Florence Foster Jenkins. It's. Just, <laughs> what? It's sublime. It is like the you perfect movie. Oh my god! I, I thought it was like a perfect all Meryl Streep movies for you yeah. to pull well, out I of your pocket. Right it. Now. It's a little it weird. A- I'm just- <gasps> oh <my laughs> I haven't seen it, but I was, we're judging I a little bit. Yeah, I can't film. judge at all. It's like because- amazing. Okay, great. I, now I know I should see it. Second time. I, yeah, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. Oh, all you the- both of you judging me. <laughs> <laughs> it's and she's a singer. That's why I also say it. I mean, it's amazing. Favorite Meryl movie? Go. Don't say Florence Foster Jenkins. It's like Sophie's Choice, but that's heavy. Oh. I don't know. I can't really do that. Oh, I thought you were saying it's Sophie's Choice to make this <laughs> choice, but it's literally Sophie's that Choice. That would be way too smart for me. <laughs> okay, Sophie's Choice don't and... do that to me. I don't know. You have to give me options. What are they? Um, Death Becomes Her. Fuck kidding. yeah. Yes. Favorite? Becomes, no, but it's just a favorite film. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing one that I love. Now I a like... warning. What? What? Steffi comes like, guys, come on. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know. I saw You're like when deep. I was auditioning for the film. Um, Mine is Postcards from the Edge. Oh, fuck. That's a good one. Anyway. Okay. What What is one big that's takeaway from working that's me, with like, Meryl Streep? I'm just talking. I'm talking a lot. Um, what is what? One big takeaway from working with Meryl Streep. Oh, it was incredible. Um, she was just um, so good at like preparing herself for a shot um, for, mm. for, for shooting. Mm-hmm. But what I realized, there was this huge realization that I had that when I was a child, maybe the reason that I was so affected by her, because they were asking like what they were asking for anecdotes. And I was talking about how I think I learned just from watching her and that I find myself to be very good at like impressions and like mimicking people. And because I think I grew up like a a chameleon, like adapting and like soaking up people's energy. And like, I think that's why I'm a great songwriter, too, because I can really delve in and get like intimate and like empathetic with a lot of different emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I realized while I was talking to them that I think I start, I think I watched her and mimicked her. Like, I think that I learned what, she, like, wh- how she prepared and like these little things she did. 
And um, yeah, I think I just kind of copied her. Like I was yeah. around like this incredible actress because they were asking if I realized how big of a deal it was. And I said, no, I don't think I did. Like, I think I knew uh-huh. because my parents were like freaking out probably. Right. They were actually really down to earth about it. But I think that. At that age, you wouldn't have a full extent. No, no I, would, I didn't have a wouldn't. full understanding. But I think that throughout the process, I started to understand like how, um, what's the word? Like how, just how, um, how much of a genius she was. Like, right. I think that my baby brain was like, do what that person is doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you watch her act, you are aware. And some people might say this is negative. I don't mean it negatively. You are aware of how many choices she's making in mm-hmm. every moment. But also know? making it seem effortless. Yeah. Effortless, right. Yeah. And also that it comes mm-hmm. from preparation. It's not exactly. like the camera turns on and she just figures it out in the yeah. moment. She really spends time. And that's informative, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah she taught me like the these simple little tricks. She came into my trailer. We had like an emotional scene where I had to cry. And I'm like 11. I'm like, yeah. what am I doing? She had me. She came into my trailer and had me like do these little tricks, and I mean, like it's a, it's amazing. What a, what a memory. Yeah. 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 Okay. So when did you <laughs> phase out from acting and into music? So I, um, so I had this like kind of like successful child acting career, and then I went to Vassar, and um, <laughs> I got like I bleached my hair in the first semester. I was just like a mess, uh-huh. and I, uh, I like pierced my eyebrow and I was like I'm gonna go be like a normal kid and yeah. um study philosophy I was a philosophy major oh, one of those. and I just wrote so- not thinking about your career whatsoever <laughs> not at all and I literally like was like cool 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 books I should read them and then yeah. would go back and like be like oh, write some songs about my feelings yeah. and the girls that I like <laughs> did you teach yourself guitar yeah, so this is the other thing. So it's interesting. She hand-motioned guitar and while she's saying that. Yeah, just just so you guys know. Air guitar. <laughs> Air guitar. Air guitar, guitar finger picking. Um, so I actually, um, it's interesting because my guitar playing is actually concurrent. Like, I picked up the guitar when I was like 12 or 13. So I actually kind of like had both creative outlets in high school. And I was like a mess in high school. Like, I was a depressed gay kid. Like, yeah. I had a lot of dark, dark times and it was pre you know it's interesting because on the other podcasts that I've listened to you guys talk about the interwebs a lot and it's changed like so much yeah and um like I tried to like I fell in love with like on cyberspace and like tried to run away to Ohio like what the fuck like in a chat room yeah like in in, like an audio Franco chat room no was it I'm just gonna whisper that (gasps) it's coming full circle soul sisters here we go yeah so so it was kind of wild to listen to you guys talk to her because yeah um, she's such a significant, I mean, the Ani trap room has less to do with it, but like, it's just, uh, were, were you out at that time? So I was like, I came out when I was like 13 to my parents, very, very young. And interestingly enough, had an acting role where I had to play a bisexual character. Oh. And I kind of feel like, like you were doing that when you came out. Yes. And yeah. like, I, I real no, I realized the moment that I played the character. Like, it was bonkers. And yeah. it's so funny because Ani was talking about how she's realizing that things are so... This is also really weird in full circle because she was talking on the podcast about um, how she's realizing that you don't realize something's possible uh-huh. unless you see it, unless it's visible, unless you feel it. Yeah. And I was like, this is so wild because it's so true. And mm-hmm. I feel that way about my gender queerness. Yeah. Um, I had to... Like, real- you had to see it to identify I it? I had to be of? immersed in a community of people who 
I saw myself in. Totally. And like as so it's really weird to me that I might have come out like a couple years later. I don't think it would have taken that long. Yeah. yeah. But 13 is pretty young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in 1990. Seven. Seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Seven. So. um. Wait, but this is a really important point. I want to dwell on this moment for a second. Yeah. This course. is why representation in media fucking matters. Oh, and yeah. like talking about it is not just like this weird bubble thing that only matters to people in Hollywood or in music or whatever. Because that's exactly what happens. You see somebody and you identify with them and you're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. It's not just me, you know? It's huge. And, I mean, I think it's so huge. You don't even realize it's a possibility. I literally, yeah. I was like boy crazy from fourth to eighth grade. Yeah. And I had like feel, weird feelings, like I saw Foxfire and I was like, I feel weird in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> that the first Angelina movie? Yeah. Yeah. But like then... You know, I didn't, I did not, I didn't feel it until I saw it. I felt it as a possibility for myself and knew yeah. it was a thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, bisexual. Right. right, right, right. And my mom probably explained it to me so I could play the role. And Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. John Leguizamo was in the reading for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So I've met, like, a lot of, I've randomly encountered a lot of famous people. It was cool. Right. With the acting, at least. <laughs> yeah. But. Were you at Vassar when Anne Hathaway was there? Yes, we were in the vagina monologues together. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I could tell stories for fucking days. Sorry. <laughs> That's a good one. That's really She read the, My Vagina is My Village, pretty sure. Wow. Sorry I said vagina like that. It's weird. It's very smooth. My <laughs> vagina <laughs> is my <laughs> the soft consonants there. I was in the vagina monologues. I don't think I told oh, you. Oh, yeah. where were you? I, it was, like, one of the non, like, <clears throat> monologue It was, like, kind of like an interstitial-y thing. That was my really? role. Really? It was yeah. like... I'm glad you consider that a role, because I think I wasn't, that they I, were like... I wouldn't consider it a role. Yeah, it's I, a, was, I, was I was a fact person. It was part of it. Yeah. I was like, I was like the that. clitoris has 10,000 times the amount of nerve endings that the whatever. Yeah. yeah. I remember it was, I was at the new school, and we had to do a representation on, like a poster board representation <laughs> of our vagina. Oh, wow. Of your own? Yeah. You did of it? Our own. Yeah, I did. <laughs> did it? I, I wonder if it, or if it was just like what our when pants, I just imagine what was, your comfort zone is no no no, no. Is, that, like that couldn't have been that's not, it, who's is that within their comfort zone no it was it was what Sorry. would your panties say or like something like oh, okay that. something just where did you go to school horrible <laughs> me no you got yeah both of you I went to Kenyon College nice in Ohio yeah where'd you go so that was yeah BU and then the, the new school for jazz oh nice yeah uh, anyway, vagina monologues. Uh, weird. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So my acting career is like super, it's been really, really amazing. And But I am fully on board. Like when I heard Ani say that, uh-huh. it was so, the way she described it was like that you're in, you're, she's like, I'm realizing that if you don't see it, if you don't see it represented, if you mm-hmm. don't see it talked about, if you don't see, see it as a possibility that you're stuck in a, like a negative loop. Yeah, where, where right. your, your image of yourself is never reflected. Yeah. And that, like, it's so beautiful the way she described it. Um, and also, I talked about it actually at Buffalo when I played at the college there recently. I was oh, like, did you? Yeah. But um, I was going to say something else, but go ahead. I, I, you would identify, I heard, <clears throat> do you listen to Cameron Esposito's podcast? That's a podcast you should. I, I can't wait to listen to it. I know yeah. of her, like, right. we have similar friends too, yeah. Okay. So she has this new podcast called Query, and oh, Evan nice. Rachel Wood was just on it. And, because Evan Rachel Wood played a queer character when she was very young, who like had a thing oh. with Misha Barton, when what she was she was oh, like Lost and Delirious. Yeah. No, she was in that Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. So Lost and Delirious. It was a show. 
Oh, never mind. Oh. No, I don't know. What oh, I know. No, yeah, that's, not, that's another. Misha Barton was in a lot of queer things yeah. back in the day. I no, that's a movie with um, Piper Perabo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to say it might have even been Once and Again, that show with um, Celia Ward. I love that show. So Lost me. Anyway, and Evan Rachel Wood was like 13 or 14, I think, when she was playing this character. And she talks about mm. on the podcast how she was like, and I like was having feelings for Misha, I think, and like totally. figuring it out as she's playing that character. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. It's, anyway. But, um, oh, so that's what I was going to say. The acting is like, just to tie it all in, that yeah. acting has come in and out of my life because there's not enough roles. Not because I don't want to be doing it. Mm. And I'm at this really beautiful point in my life where all of a sudden, because of Laverne Cox and other trans and gender nonconforming people paving the way, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I run the gamut. Like, I'm very fluid. So I go from, like, being on a Soul Sisters podcast and identifying as, I mean, I don't. I know that you probably don't require me to identify as something, but it's interesting to me that, like, in the industry, both industries, mm-hmm. there's a lot of boxing. Yeah. And, um, but with acting... It's starting to tip and I'm getting a lot of like, it's just like acting just weaves its way in and out of my life and I I can't chase it. It's not the kind of thing I can chase it. It's very fortuitous. It's very serendipitous. Like from 11 to right now, like Mm -hmm. it's, I'm starting to get a lot of great auditions and great part offers and I'm like, fuck yeah, great. And I have an agent who gets it. Yeah, characters or, yeah. For um, queer, gender queer uh, characters and, um. You know, I've played a couple really amazing trans characters, um, but like young boys, uh-huh. like I can't pass for like because I'm not I'm not taking hormones and I'm I'm but I had top surgery. So uh-huh. it's like but it's just just to like let you guys know, it's interesting because I like I've gone through phases like when I graduated from college, I wasn't trying to act at all. And yeah. I out of nowhere got cast in SVU. So I was like, oh, I, uh, I should yeah. be acting. Like, yeah. literally, like, months before my senior year ended. So I was what like... What was the character like? Was it, like, a feminine, like, a yeah, girly... Yeah, it was like a... Like a I had, like, one of my ex-girlfriends dress me up. We put, like, a fucking bow in my hair, and I went to the audition. I got it like that. They were, like, produced... It was a callback. Like, they had seen before and after, I think, the, yeah. the, the night before. Did it feel okay to do it, or... I played, like, a girl that was sexually assaulted by her best friend who was in a roid rage. Oh. And, um... It, did it feel okay to play that? Yeah, like that type. So that's a really great question. So I actually end up graduating from Vassar and being like, oh, great. I just made a lot of money on TV. And like, I'm great at acting. Yeah. I should be doing this. <laughs> Mariska Hardigay is amazing and very tall. And very so tall. then I like graduate and I'm like, great. Philosophy, never mind. Uh, songwriting. Philosophy, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> what were you going to do yeah. with that? Because that was... Don't yeah, ask. That's yeah, like, a, yeah. that's like <laughs> not interesting. <laughs> You're like, continue to smoke weed and talk yeah. about Socrates, obviously. <laughs> totally. Someone was going to pay me for that eventually. I kept seeing things for, like ads on the subway when I moved for philosophical counseling. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was wow. my plan. I mean, I don't know why I'm talking shit. I was an English major. It was, Wait, but same. It was just funny. I know. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping 
and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. <laughs> but then I identify right yeah, yeah totally we yeah. all like I was a Spanish lit major right come on <laughs> I feel really bad when I talk to college kids I'm like what's your major and then I'm like it doesn't really matter yeah I know. like you're gonna do oh. something beautiful you're gonna do, make some nothing, art. To do with that. nothing to do, it's like maybe you'll draw on it like twice but like it's fine but enjoy um, your debt <laughs> yeah good luck with that I'm yeah. just kidding um but then so like I'm great at acting I'm, yeah I'm like I'm great at acting oh this is amazing I'm just gonna do this and then it was horrible like that's what I'm talking about so the industry had like changed a lot and this is now like circa like 2006 mm -hmm. and it was so painful and I misgendered myself like I was I grew my hair out because I went mm -hmm. back to my old agent and they were like my agent was like great you got a part, on, part on, on tv you're a great actor like of course we'll represent you again grow your hair out so I grow my hair out I wear like it was painful like I wore skirts to auditions and you know I think that I don't know what, and then I got a couple really big parts. I actually played, not like big parts, but I got a, a good part um, in, I got a really good part playing a queer character and genderqueer and cool, cool little story. Silas Howard is a director, a really amazing director on Transparent. Oh. And he's a really good friend of mine, but yeah. only because he cast me. I auditioned for a film and it never got made, but he thought of me for another role. And this is how it happens in the queer world. Like, So anyway, I played a young him in a Wait, short film with black hair. He cast you on what? A short film, Not a really okay. cool <laughs> I just to be we clear. Were like, oh, in Transparent, Transparent is our obsessed with favorite show. Yeah. It's fucking incredible. Oh yeah, you guys were talking about it on another podcast. Yeah, we did. Yeah. By the way, I finished it yesterday. You did? So. Oh, I have, to, so, I have to watch so the good. whole thing. I watched, I binge watched season three. I have to, it's good. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait, can't yeah. wait. It's interesting that we're talking about um, sort of seeing things in order to sort of get into that and know that they're a thing. And the same thing is true with language. I mean, now mm. we have gender mm. queer, gender fluid. I don't think those were things that mm. were, we would talk about in 2006. And so that mm. probably made it hard for you to say, well, I, I might identify this way, but there's not this in-between ground that I feel like there is yeah. now. And it's so common. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, it's so. I'm almost yeah, afraid to get so started common. on that. But yeah, well, it's. <clears throat> because people are still resistant to it. They're like, whatever, we're, uh, it's too much, I can't keep up, it's politically correct. It's, it's like, no, but it has so much power to be able to name a thing and to be able to identify with other human beings because they also say the thing, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost the antithesis of boxing. I right, feel like exactly. these words are. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. it probably has helped be like be yeah. able to be okay so really good story related to that yeah so um or yeah no and i mean i think i completely agree but so what's cool is that i think i don't think it's ever i don't think it's enough like it's not enough yet right but right. i do think that there are people out there in the industry and in, in acting and you know music is a little different which we can talk about but um i still encounter stuff you know and mm -hmm. i think it's a problem um mm -hmm. and um so, but with regards to acting, this is really cool. I just got a tiny little part on the second season of uh, High Maintenance. Dope. Yeah. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Because they are like blind casting and mm -hmm. they're not just blind casting. They're like, 
as someone who sees the breakdowns, it's ba- yeah, the breakdown yeah. is like what you see when you're like uh, trying to submit for a part. Mm-hmm. Um, this for, the role that I submitted for said literally they were looking for like a queer couple and they said in the description cis or trans. I mean, so wow. and then I ended up getting cast and I don't identify. I wouldn't necessarily pass as like a trans man, uh-huh. but I do present as like ambiguous. Uh-huh. I was just at the SAG offices and it's funny I'm here because I was just at the SAG offices and I kept there were all these old people running this event uh-huh. and they were like, uh, are you sure? Oh, hi. And then they like <laughs> noticed I was like not a man, but this is a, like a masculine outfit. And I kept like, I was like, fuck, I'm going to Soul Sisters and I look like a fucking boy because <laughs> like this is like I kept getting mistaken by these old people as a, as a boy. And I was like, they were like, son, you can just go right in there. And I was like, thanks. Um, so funny. Which was fine. But so I just got cast in high maintenance and they're doing incredible things like to cast. They specified this can be a gender nonconforming person. This can be non-binary person. And it's like it's for someone who's been in the industry since I felt so uncomfortable like 10 years ago mm-hmm. and a what decade a ago and literally gave up like I gave up. I was like, I I think I was in denial and I dated people who were like, why are you doing this? Why aren't you working on music? And that's kind of what happened. I kind of gave up because I was like, I can't. And sometimes you need to do that. Like you need to be like, this is painful. And being misgendered is like incredibly painful. So, and it's good to like admit that and be like, I don't, I can't wear a skirt. Like I can wear a skirt as like someone who's in drag, but I can't really play, play certain roles and that's okay. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just like, sorry. so, so there's lot. so many things that yep. I want to, but I guess this takes us to the point of when you were writing Light as a Ghost is when you're feeling these feelings of not being able to be in, in that industry because of your changing attitudes about this stuff and feelings. Yeah. So what happened was I, I actually did have a, a small group of really supportive people that like, and TBH, like a lot of ex-girlfriends were like, I mean, not a lot. I didn't have like a harem of ex-girlfriends, but like a lot of people I dated questioned my career choice. They were like, look, like you write beautiful music and you've been doing it. Like I've self-taught from the age of like 12 and then started writing songs when I was 15. And um, I feel very blessed, as Tori would say, by the muses. (laughs) Um, uh, Not as blessed as as she is. (laughs) Yet. But yet, yeah, right. Yeah, I can cultivate go. some muses, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Some of the muses. Um, so um, I started, yeah, so like my mid-20s is when I, I started to be like, fuck, I'm going to give this a shot. And mm-hmm. I started playing live. And because I'm a fucking narcissistic artist, I was like, this feels really good. You know? <laughs> I mean, I had been playing live since I was in high school. Yeah. But like in college, I'd play for like the silly little coffee shop. Like, right. like I was in the singer-songwriter club. Yeah. Um, were you still living in New York? Like when you graduated college? Did yeah. you so I moved right back to Brooklyn. Back? Okay. And then um, I lived in like Bushwick, Greenpoint, mm. all over. And now I'm in bed All the cool places. All the cool places <laughs> right. until I got priced out of each and uh-huh. every one of them. <laughs> yep. But um, so then I started kind of trying to pursue it. I had a manager for a while. He was a sweet dude. He ended up kind of booking me um, more than managed. He managed and booked me. And he gave me my start playing at like, you know, some like like Mercury Lounge, Knitting Factory, stuff like that. Did you have a regular band? With you? I had, I went through like many different permutations of bands. Another issue that I have, like, a, a, I started writing like alone when I was like 15, and I'm kind of like a solitary, it's kind of, I kind of have like a Melissa Farrick vibe. Like, I could just play solo forever. Yeah. And so it's hard because I think it's really hard to find the right people when you're self sufficient for so long. So, um, 
And also New York's it's a hard scene. People are so busy. You know? Like do you write yeah. on the computer do you do you like Pro Tools and just like make your own beats and things too? Like oh, you no, could no, just no. play by yourself? No, no. Okay. I just compose on guitar and now piano and uke. Which is cool. So <laughs> when you play live you need uke. They just found out it's actually ukulele and I felt so dumb. What? <laughs> you guys both just like Well, even if that's true, yeah. I mean, Don't okay, I believe you. It's true, but you would sound like such an asshole. Exactly. I'm just gonna play this next like one on the ukulele. Sounds like a parody in like Portlandia or something. Right. <laughs> it's actually I've been watching a lot that of that. Should be true. right. <laughs> um, okay, so I I compose on guitar and 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 ukulele and now keys, which is a really fun addition because I write like totally different songs. But yeah. I basically finally got to cobble together like I played Saul like Saul Simon McWilliams is the producer of Light is a Ghost I played all of my songs and he you know I had like probably 20 songs that I was like well we could do these and then he picked the best 12 and and did he basically assemble like he literally said um no well for the for recording we actually just he, we brought in Adam Criscow for drums mm-hmm. we went up to a cabin for a week and awesome. he came in and just banged out like 10 tracks in two days and then we had amazing guest artists just come into the studio and, and record. And um, actually, a really amazing guitarist, Billy Libby, was living with him at the time and um, a viola player. So we had, we all kind of like spent the year. I was a hot mess, like during the recording process. Hey, I was why? going through a breakup with uh, this person uh-huh. and then starting the most like fire, fiery relationship of my life that lasted a year and then burnt out. Ooh. But it was like, so I, on the heels of like my most vulnerable, I was yeah. recording the album all year, <laughs> like every weekend. Like, so not in a good place. Yeah. And um, I mean, yeah. And um, can I block the camera for certain <laughs> things? <laughs> Danielle just pulled a sheet in front of it. (laughs) Just talking about my vices, everybody. Um, (laughs) We all got them. Yeah, right? It's good to share them. Yeah, that's why I write songs. Exactly. Uh, So, like, I I was really emotional. And then, um, and I think it's why it's such a, it's a good, it's very emotional album. And interestingly enough, I think that Saul is, like, a genius. But Mm -hmm. he, like, popified the shit out of it. Like, Mm -hmm. I played him Meadow, the first song on on that album. And he said... I'm going to Tegan and Sarah the fuck out of that. <laughs> and were you like, fuck yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, literally yeah. was like, ah, I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You can do whatever you want. But yeah. he's a genius and he works with amazing people and it's it's more polished. And so I think it's very emotional, but I, what I want to do with the next album was something a little more sophisticated, a little more, the I wanted the sound to be a little less like the pop formula and more emotional, more right. grounded. So tell us this crazy story about the new album. So, um, so yeah, my, my next album is, uh, I mean, my current album is called Comatose Hope and I'm very, very excited about it. And, um, I, I had, so I did have, so fiery, fiery relationship. Yeah. So I had some of the songs before I had this crazy experience. I had, I had like, um, and I was going to go out to LA and record again with Saul. And I think that would have been amazing, but I, I had like enough material for an EP maybe, or to do like soft, like breakup songs Uh and pop songs. Mm. Like I was going to do two EPs maybe. Mm. That was the plan. Yeah. And then I had, um, top surgery, which in the, in November of 20, uh, 2015, we're in we're almost in November of 2017 that was a 40 slip so literally almost like two years ago I had top surgery and that was something that I was so excited about um and had you been planning that for a long time so um interestingly enough like we're talking about um 
like when I think like I realized I just was surrounded by some people that had been doing this or mm. like whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had been that the idea of not wanting my chest had been percolating in me since yeah. college. Yeah. So I got to college, like shaved my head, like uh-huh. you know, you go through all like normal changes. Uh-huh. And um I think that it took me like a it just took me a decade to really take the leap, but I had w- been mm-hmm. wanting to do it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so excuse me. I um it it's this thing that happens that my surgeon actually mentioned. She said, "I find that when people realize they they it's just about making it happen. Like mm-hmm. you don't like really realize something like that and then be like i mean it's scary like don't get me wrong i was terrified and then ironically it should have been but like um i think a lot of people are really scared and i talk to a lot of gender queer people that contact me to to talk to them about my experience Mm -hmm. despite what like what happened yeah um like i get fan messages on instagram all the time from people that want to know like how it feels to not want to take tea but to want to have the body that you need and Mm -hmm. i feel so happy that i can be a visible like role model or whatever so do you respond to people yeah i I respond to every single person that's amazing yeah in in my own time but yeah um so i have surgery (laughs) like eventually (laughs) whenever i can get to (laughs) i'm a rock star and then um and then i had the surgery and um it's kind of a you know you can research all you want online i have like a couple different um places that you can find out about it but the long story short is Mm -hmm. that um I mean, I'll give you the long story if you want, but um, basically I ended up contracting like a, a either a virus, I think from touring a lot, like I might have just been sick. I think I was just sick. Like like you had, you were already sick and didn't know it? Yeah, I think I had yeah. some sort of recurring infection that never went away. I mean, I literally was known as like a hypochondriac amongst my friends and I would... I, because you kept complaining about kept something com- that was undiagnosed. Exactly. Yeah. And that happens God. a lot of times. Wow. I, I'm a hypochondriac, and that's terrifying to hear because now that's oh, no. going <laughs> to reinforce my paranoia. You have a nice uh, ruddy complexion, though. Like, oh, okay, I look back thanks. at photos, and I look sick, and it's, yeah. like, scary. I mean, I don't look terrible, but I had a lot of anxiety because of, like, to, to be honest, I think I was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I was I was not well, and I think it went undiagnosed, and I have no idea what happened. Like, honestly, I played a lot of colleges. Like, those microphones. Colleges are dirty. Yeah. Do you know what it was? Like, did they tell you? So I I think I had, like, a bad immune problem, right? Mm -hmm. And then, or a recurring infection that they kept being like, no, 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 you're fine. Just go on these antibiotics. Mm. And um, then I had a major surgery. I also did a 23-hour stay in the hospital after my top surgery. So there's a possibility my immune system was suppressed. I got a virus. The Mm -hmm. virus was like, oh, we're not going to do anything around your chest. So I had basically a f to m top surgery so reconstruction and um my chest is beautiful now um and i love it but um the drains and everything that Uh that i mean the surgical site was fine so i think that they looked they they look you know when i had my follow-up appointment and Mm -hmm. when we were looking people like uh, my partner and i were like looking to see if anything was wrong nothing went wrong yeah and um and nothing everything looked totally normal so it was totally a surprise when uh i got debilitating headaches a fever flu-like symptoms and then like convulsions in the middle of the night which yeah it was a it was an oversight they should have noticed something especially this is how easy this is how crazy it was so we go to the er because my fever spiked on saturday a week later 
and they did a bunch of tests and they still they sent me home and then at this point I black out so basically what, what happened was we didn't know this but my brain was swelling and I had a viral encephalitis so it was, it was basically oh diagnosed God. as like a meningeal encephalitis and um, I was in a coma for four days and I'm totally fine now but <laughs> it God was um, I came out of the coma like a hilarious I had no negative emotions Really? really? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, Is that I? a thing that happens? Yeah. Like people come out of comas and they're angry. And I was just like hilarious. The opposite. I literally was like, Mom, I'm not in a coma. Um, <laughs> but it was. Did that catch up to you eventually? Like, yeah. Like I mean, sad? I had to do I mean, a the lot music of. music is like, oh, yeah. I almost died. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, like, I thought that... that that was your review. I was so. I was like, that's so sweet. I thought <laughs> you were like, oh, your music. I almost died. <laughs> well, that's you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So that um, is something Dara would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, you clearly you go into it in a way that yeah. it's not just like hilarious. Oh, no, yeah. but I wonder if it's like if it's a thing All where my you, songs are spoof songs. Yeah. But like that you would come out of the coma and you just are like kind of out of it. So I was just you're out like of it, yeah. euphoric and goofy and whatever. But then I wondered if it like then swung back hard the other way. No, it did. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And that's what these songs are about. I think. Yeah. Um, at least you know I have some of the songs are about this breakup I went through. Some of them are about. Um, my father actually and my family uh-huh. uh, my dad has Parkinson's um, mm. so I'm kind of like losing him slowly so in- interestingly enough like the album is it's there's two bra- there's like relationship songs mm-hmm. and then there's like songs about death and mm. me and my producer always joked that it was literally like sex and death like yeah. all the songs are just sex and death like it was a do the song about. does each song sound like it could apply to one or the other because <laughs> those are like very mm-hmm. I- I close so. things yeah. yeah yes right yeah and so it's funny because like when we were recording we were joking that like we I should just call the album that because it's sex and death yeah sex and death i so i was like really really fucked up and it took me like six months to recover um so, like i couldn't walk i couldn't when i woke up yeah no when i woke up from the coma for after four days i mean, I mean also like my whole family thought I, I mean we thought i was gonna die yeah it's like kind of insane to go through that to be like to, I kind of lost a year too. Like when people are like, "When did I last see you?" And I always like mess up the. It's interesting. It's still. It's like mm. a year I lost. Yeah. Wow. Even though it was only a year ago that I was like fully recovered, it's still. And even though I could do so many things after three months, yeah, I was. It was such an intense proce- process. Mm-hmm. I think to recover, and I don't realize it. Like I think wow. I'm still recovering from the recovery. You know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you have. Yeah. PTSD. Yeah, it's from yeah. that experience. But also, it's so weird to not be present for something traumatic like that. It's almost more like yeah. when I first came out of it, I would talk about how it must be more traumatic for my family. Right. Because, I mean. I You're can not. show you guys photos after I'll send you guys photos afterwards. I mean, I had like, you know, I looked like I was dying. I had like tubes in my mouth mm-hmm. and on the Kickstarter video that I did for this, it was really intense. Like people were really hit by it and the editor did such a beautiful job to show you only have like three photos, but they're like crazy, you mm-hmm. know. I'm like hooked up to all these machines and um you know, I wasn't I, I just yeah, I was just very lucky, but um I had to be on like IV drugs like two weeks out of the hospital. Um I mean for like three three weeks and so I went home after a week but I mean the recovery was like insane like I couldn't do much of anything with unsupervised and um we had three doctor's appointments a week um to to recover so I'm very very lucky very very lucky and then once I got better I was just like oh man and everyone was like you're gonna write so many amazing songs and um it took a minute for them to come except for Kirsten Blessed why when did that come so this is a great story so two weeks out of the hospital I wrote them like 
so during this time where I'm like getting like IV drugs tw- twice a day and sleeping like I was sleeping like 18 hours a day because yeah. my brain was still swollen yeah. and I'm really lucky that the pain went away because it was like debilitating and and I'm really lucky also that the brain is so meta that like I don't remember the pain yeah because yeah. when your brain is that mush mushy you know and I'm very fortunate to be white and privileged and have health care and gay marriage and all that stuff um I mean it was just an insane experience um and there's a lot of different things that lead me to like being here right now and I feel very lucky but so I come home from the hospital and I'm just wait, wait, hang on, sorry yeah. are you married yeah so you guys are married okay I didn't yeah. realize um and are you saying that because of an insurance situation through the marriage yeah, yeah so we got it okay yeah um we got married like a year into our relationship for a lot of love and a little insurance <laughs> uh-huh. and I and then they approved my surgery which is wow. crazy because it's not always approved which is like a whole other thing but That's trans health care yeah so anyway sorry so yeah I so we um so she was like there my partner was incredible I mean and she had to watch me like she had to go from being like you're a hypochondriac to like I didn't believe that this you were this sick and no yeah. one I mean the ER sent me home like NYU ER was like yeah just like probably a cold and then I was like oh I forgot to tell you the best part so like they send me home and then I like start puking and then I have like a seizure well we go back to the ER I have a seizure so it was like really intense yeah for someone a loved one to have to watch that yeah um and luckily I don't remember anything and then they intubated me and transferred me and luckily they gave me these like really strong antivirals and antibiotics and now I'm healthier than I've ever been amazing yeah amen yeah amen to that yeah so um so we come home and i'm like tinkering on the guitar and luckily my vocal cords weren't damaged that's another possibility that could have happened Mm. and um i like wrote this like really basic bitch song (laughs) (laughs) basic bitch uh i wrote this really basic song i didn't think would be anything i liked it at the time but then like listen back like a couple months later you know i record everything on my voice memos which tori talked to Uh and um i listened to it and i kind of didn't like it and it was really slow and my voice is really like raspy and i can barely speak and um and then we turned it into Kirsten Blessed is now like this like driving war on drugs drum beat behind it and like just really like driving down the highway type open air song pop song and it's like it's kind of like the indie country it's like borders indian country uh-huh. my i do have some band members now and we talked about how it's kind of like where like yeah, it's right on the. It's it walks that nice fine line. There's some cool little like, new 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 guitar parts. Uh-huh. But um, so you anyway, did a Kickstarter for it. Yeah, I did a Kickstarter for it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and that went really that went really well, and it was amazing. Like to build that community. I didn't really. It's really cheesy, but it was really amazing to see um, how much people wanted to support uh, an independent artist project, and also. Um, I was out of work for basically a year, and my, yeah. my partner took off three months of work, um, mm-hmm. unpaid leave, um, mm-hmm. you know, because FEMLA, like, she took FEMLA, but she, we didn't get paid. She didn't get paid. Yeah. And so, I mean, and I also, like, we were just eating out money, like, you know, it was like when you're going through a crisis like that, you're just like, whatever, I'll go to the bodega again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and just millions of doctor appointments. Yeah. Um, so luckily we had insurance, but... Yeah, I'm very lucky to not have any any medical debt too. Yeah, but um, 
Oh. And then you found your producer to record. You like yeah. made it a, a, a trip, like a yeah. really, f- it sounds amazing recording in London. Yeah, it was incredible. So I was actually, in, we were in Bristol. I spent like one night in London, but I actually found him through Perfume Genius. Okay. And um, he's like a really amazing queer artist. And he was, um, Drew Morgan was is my producer and he was, um, he was, uh, like uh, my like a list like I basically yeah. was I was like I just recovered from a coma like I almost died I should probably do what I want with my life right and so just I made go like it. just go for it yeah and I was dragging my feet too because I was uh, you know I will be honest that after coming out of something like that I was really turned around I was yeah. like how do I write an email like how do I you know how oh the fuck God. do I do I used to be like an email machine mm-hmm. I'd be like because when you aren't you know you're trying to get yourself out there as an independent artist like you know you really have to work your ass off and yeah. so. It was a lot of just kind of promoting yourself and getting shows and keeping the momentum. Uh-huh. So I had like lost all momentum, and then I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna rec- I'm gonna go record." And then I I contacted him. We emailed for months. We wrote like love letters, like like weird music love letters to each other about like what we could do, what we wanted to do. He was like surprised I chose him because my last album was so poppy. Uh huh. And he's really into like experimental, like risky stuff, yeah, and uh, and ethereal, like ambient stuff. Right. And I was like, no, 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 that, yeah. that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, and it's... it was amazing to like talk to him and communicate before I went over there. And then I was just like, fuck, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this happen. And then I I I went over there. I did the Kickstarter afterwards, actually, and paid for everything like on the back end. Like, you know, put it all on credit. I was going to say, <laughs> paid off your credit card? Yeah. yeah to- I just paid it off yesterday. Nice. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, I just used the last of the Kickstarter. Money. Awesome. awesome. Um, and so I went over there and interestingly enough, like, I had just actually seen the documentary on Amy Winehouse, Amy, mm-hmm. and was really, really moved by, she's, I mean, it's so sad that we lost her. Um, she's like so incredible. And she actually wrote a lot of her songs right before she was recording. And I ended up doing hmm. that. Like, I wrote really? a lot of the Coma songs and finished a lot of the Coma songs. Yeah. Like, Til- while you were there? No, right like right before I went. Okay. And while I was there, kind of. But Till the Crying Fades, Comatose Hope, uh, Cursed and Blessed, Failed to Find, kind of all popped out of me, mm-hmm. like, within a couple months or, like, days of leaving. And then I went over there, and they're, they're my favorite songs on the album, I think, some of them. And so, it's hard to choose. Yeah. So it's part of this new renewed spirit like letting go of some of that perfectionism and need to be so precious about things Mm -hmm. so you're just like i don't need to work on this forever you know like this Mm. comes out of me it sounds cool yeah totally or maybe not i don't know actually also well i think that yeah i mean that's a really good point i think that certain songs it was interesting i'm usually I'm like a perfectionist so if it doesn't pop out immediately i'm actually really hard on myself like if i don't if i don't write the whole song within one sitting like I'm very very lucky sometimes I sit down and comatose hope came out immediately like mm. within you know minutes um soon too came out in minutes like take me to the water you know everybody says definitely that was that was like I was like I'm so heartbroken just and so a lot of I'm very used to that and I think in my older age like it <laughs> sounds so dumb but like my process is changing yeah and I was he, one someone on the on I listened to another one of your your things and someone was talking about how their process is changing and then it's it's upsetting to not be as prolific yeah but at the same time like it's a beautiful thing because like my process is changing and I have to work a little harder so like fail to find I wrote the verses all in different places mm-hmm. and kind of about different things mm-hmm. 
And I think that there's like a lot of I'm learning a lot about how important it is to be like, yeah, that wasn't a perfect song, but I need to like go back and edit it and make it good to record it. Or I don't have to give up on it right away. Um, I mean, me and Drew are like the producer I worked with are kind of still perfectionists, but he's but he leaves so much within that structure of making the song sound baller and well produced. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a lot of like beautiful um scratchy textures uh-huh. that's what i'm talking about with like or well, just that's different than imperfect i mean that's part, yeah that's totally. the, that's what you're going for exactly you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well i mean maybe you made it quickly because it, you were in your groove and it just happened well also i was like i'm in bristol i should probably make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> forever. yeah i was in my groove though and i was like also i just had this crazy experience i was like i'm gonna go do this and yeah and rec- only having two weeks was actually incredible to, yeah. to to that was what I was saying that like Lady's Ghost took like three years mm-hmm. from start to finish and this took literally a year less yeah. than a year which is like it's great crazy yeah have it yeah yeah yes. thank you so much I'm so excited and the it. video for Till the Crying Fades which is about the pole shooting yeah. is beautiful yeah and thank you so much thank you for making that how did that happen who's that director that you worked with oh my god. I'm in love with her. She's a very close friend now. And yeah. we met randomly right after I recorded, actually, at a wedding in Cancun. Oh. Where I played. Okay. I was playing for one of my best friends. And um, air guitar. <laughs> and um, we met and on the beach right, literally days after Trump was elected. And we were all really Oh, back in the days when that's all you ever talked about with anyone that you met. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah literally. It's like Who's the first like... question to anybody. Yeah. Right. No one now could it's be. like, are you don't okay? even utter no, it. No, are you okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's all like, a, there's like a common understanding now. Yeah. Whereas don't, back don't then it was say. like. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot of hugging. Commiserate. Long hugging of strangers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so you guys bonded over Trump. Hug. So we bonded over, we all kind of, it was a gay wedding, and we all kind of just like yeah. freaked out and we're like, oh my God, this is, what are we going to go, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And, and um, but it was also like this actually kind of related to the song. It, it was kind of a celebratory, beautiful moment because we were all like, like, this is going to sound weird, but no one hooked up. We all became best friends. Yeah. Like we were all, you know, wedding, it was like a crazy wedding in Cancun. It was like beautiful. We all were like, we need to like, we just all celebrated being yeah being different and like being anti-Trump and like well no we the just second he that. became president a lot of things automatically became an act of resistance yes exactly you know yeah. in this awesome way yeah, yeah. So. so it was kind of interesting because that's kind of what the video became it yeah. became so I sent so we met her name's her this amazing director her name is Alessandra La Carosa and she's a Colombian director mm-hmm. and um she um is incredible and we basically met for coffee in January um, after the wedding, which was like in November. And I, I, I sent her a copy of the mixes before they were done. Mm-hmm. And she unequivocally like chose Till the Crying Fades. And then we just basically worked on producing it until like May. Like worked like just me and her and this amazing producer, um, Justine. Um, we all worked like emailed like every other day and we we cast um some really great people from the community that um that some of some of whom we whom most of whom we know yeah I think we all kind of like it was kind of a community casted project mm-hmm. but we wanted to do a um something that yeah just paid um respect to the people that were lost in pulse because 
I wrote this about a couple different things till the crying fades, but she obviously connected to, to wanted to make it mostly about that. And it was like I literally wrote it based on an experience I had being on a pride float the year that the year that pulse happened. So right. it was like, so it was like two, right after it was like a week after. Yeah. And I had, I was on a I was on a memorial float actually for a friend of mine who was like mm. a big member of the community as well. And so it's like all this like death stuff, right? Yeah. And this is um it was post coma. So I had yeah. almost died. So like I had almost died. My yeah. friend had passed away unrelatedly. And then she but not unrelated. She was like this force of like joy in the community. She was a party promoter. So we're on this memorial float. And I remember like being super hungover or just like feeling the feelings the next day. And I wrote, I wrote, this just like popped out of me. I was just like, this is such an, such a specific feeling to the community where we don't like, we party and we dance and we, we celebrate queer bodies and queer positivity and mm-hmm. body positivity. And so in the video, it's just like this sad but cel- celebratory energy. Totally. Yeah. And I hope it, it spoke to people. Yeah. No, I think it did. It, people are sharing it. And awesome. yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So what's next? Oh, man. So. Don't you know, rest on your laurels over here. Yeah, right? <laughs> Meryl Streep. Can't <laughs> use that for yeah, car forever. Exactly. I didn't even try to use it with you guys. It's true. <laughs> Two other things brought me here. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Um, I just. I'm actually doing a lot of acting right now, as I mentioned, but the music is, I'm so glad that this is out. I'm so glad that I've turned this crazy experience into something beautiful. And I think what I hope people get out of this is not just, I mean, it's about overcoming that breakup. It's about overcoming that person in your life passing away. It's overcoming like queer struggle, whatever, or just any struggle. And I think that I'm so happy that people are relating to the songs, even though it's so specific to my experience. You know, it's called comatose hope. Like that's, but you know, you listen to it and then yeah, that word could mean any right metaphorical. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And mm-hmm. I love that you said that because yeah, I'm hoping that people see this as something. I mean, they hear it and they they use it to get through whatever their whatever darkness is and whatever thing that they're trying to get through and yeah I think a lot of the coma songs represent just trying to get through um processing anything that's too big absolutely you know yeah Yeah. too too hard to like fathom and get through Uh that's what fucking music does right well it's interesting that because you did actually go through that experience of being in a coma but normally you don't say when an artist you hear a lyric and you say that must have literally happened I mean it's very like we have (laughs) to know the fact we have to know you and know your story to know that's true yeah it totally really, it totally completely works on another level yeah totally and that's what fucking art and music right. does hopefully right. Right? right and that's why like i was in high school listening to fucking ani and whoever elliot smith being yeah. so depressed elliot smith didn't really make it through his hard times but yeah. you know like it's so i'm so i just hope that people really hear that and can use it to get through their their unfathomable pain so then what what's next is that I'm trying to you know just getting my stuff together and trying to um, open for for awesome bigger bands and acts that that want to mm-hmm. bring me on the road. Yes, that's cool. that's number one. Uh-huh. We can talk about that later. Okay, uh, let's do that. But um, I I'm playing a bunch of shows in the city. I play college. Yeah, I saw I play, that. Yeah, I'm playing um, at Come On Everybody with. Um, couple of really cool artists. I that love are that opening. venue. I know you guys should totally it's come. Fun. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it's a great venue. That's where we shot Tell the Crying Fades. 
Really? Yeah. Cool. Really made it huh. look really big. Did. Yeah, it did. It's in bed style. Yeah. So I'm playing a really cute little queer living room show tomorrow night, but then, um, and then, you know, um, I, I'm have, you know, I'm just trying to push the album and like yeah. get it out there and like yeah. let people know about it. But, um, I'm getting nice messages from like all over the world and then I like see, you know, I don't, I don't make a lot of money on C on like iTunes, but like then I see who's, you know, I, I get my checks and yeah. I see people from like all over the world listening to my shit and I'm yep. like, it's like if, I, you know, it just gives you like faith that. I, I should be doing this and I do feel like this is my calling and it's amazing and um I play a lot of I play for a lot of queer groups at colleges uh -huh. and that's awesome because you know I can like pay the rent and also like do direct activism with them at no cost to them yeah and totally. I get to so I kind of just like base tours around my college shows throughout the year and you know um so you don't get scared off of colleges after your experience. I actually, thanks for reminding me. I Do need wear, to like, buy a my own microphone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kid. <Yeah. laughs> it's Julie Walden here. I'm terrified of your germs. <laughs> um, Just don't share any bowls with them. You'll be fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's where the real germs are in college. <laughs> Mics are pretty and bronchitis gross. for four years. Don't touch any lava lamps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actual thing that happened to me at a college show. This girl was like, um, you can come see my lava lamp. I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Some funny pickup Wait, like a pickup line? line? <laughs> That's amazing. She was like, we're like making What drinks. decade? I was going to say. <laughs> Are lava lamps still a thing? Yeah, sorry. I, don't I know had one when yeah, I was a teenager. I, I was yeah. like, what the fuck? What? No, um, I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway. Who knows what's the mood setter in, in a college dorm <laughs> now? <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping to go. Oh, oh my goodness. No, we went so long. We're out of car space. No. I talk too much. I'm sorry. That was great. Right? Yeah. You guys no, are awesome. Thanks for dealing with my, my non-linear rambling. No, this awesome. is how we used to do it, and it's so fun. I love it. Oh, yeah, what do you mean? You used to, you're we like, used to not be on as tight of a schedule, and we could sort of we stretch got out. Some oh, man. I must be so interesting that you guys no, just couldn't No, I hope resist. that you're just like, look, super long episode of Julia Walden. Aww. I'm not cutting it down. No. Uh -oh. I'm sorry. I'm, I ramble. We, we're we having a ball. Exactly. T-shirts. <gasps> oh, those are cool. It's yeah, going to look so good under my new Cardi. <laughs> I, got, I got smalls and mediums for you guys. Under my new Cardi. Rolling? Yeah, I'm good. And we're back. Oh. And we're back. <laughs> um, Speaking of Cardis and Cardigans, Cardi B is number one. She on did it. the Hot 100 today. Wow. Mm -hmm. Awesome. She's the first female rapper. Oh, fuck yeah. She has that song Bodak Yellow. Money moves oh, yeah, like yeah, an Instagram yeah, yeah, star yeah. turned. Well, I don't know. She's a lot of things. She's a lot turned of things. Rapper, but first female rapper without anyone else on the track to be number one since Lauren Hill, nineteen ninety eight. Woo! Do up that what? thing. Awesome! Holy yeah. crap! Wow. That's a huge fucking deal. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I also amazing. listen to the radio. I must know this song. I listen. I love pop, um, pop, yeah, bad pop and good pop, but like I love radio songs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, anyway, that's great. Up, that yeah. That's <laughs> fucking amazing. Also, Lauren Hill. Also, high school. Yes. High school love. I then that's my favorite album of the nineties. Yeah, maybe ever actually. Yeah, totally. That was like late high school for what me. Was it also, yeah, I could not believe I forgot that Sophie B. Hawkins. I listened to that one too. Saying she said, "Damn, I wish I yes. was your lover." And I remember it. I forgot to tell you guys. 
I remember that from 90210. I don't know who you guys both remember. I talked to her about that. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. hearing it and being like, well, I mean, that's why I'm saying something. I wanted to remember to tell you guys because I, it, it was, it's so weird. It's like ingrained in my brain too. Yes. Like I remember being, but like you couldn't back then be like, what is this song? Nope. Right. It just stored itself away. In an emotional so that 20 weird... years later, it could yeah. come back. Totally. I know. How did we watch TV? Face. Well, music feeding, like popular music feeding into TV wasn't as much of a thing. Is that true? No, that can't be true. Uh, no, it was. No, it was, it was a total thing. It's just yeah. new music didn't hit because we couldn't Google yeah, you it. Couldn't, so you couldn't like become yeah. famous from TV. Agree. Right. I think I agree with that. Yeah, for That's sure. Right. Yes. And now if you watch You're the 90210. You're the podcast expert. I know nothing. If you go back and watch those episodes on Hulu, that song will not be in it. What? They couldn't similar. get clearance. Okay, similar, similar to, to the Dawson's Creek theme song by Paula Cole. Yeah. Wait, Which really? is not in they Dawson's couldn't Creek. pay until the final it. episode where they sprung for the money. They sprung for it for the season series finale. This is why I fear for wait, our children's so when you, future. It, you, they don't, they won't pay not, the licensing fee. Right. Like, so did you talk to Paula and Sophie B. Hawkins about yeah. that? Well, or Dara told it? Paula, who didn't know, which yeah. was a fun moment yeah. to experience. Was she like, oh, she's yeah, like, she's basically like, oh, whatever. Wow, that's interesting. They didn't yeah. want to sp- splurge for, I mean, because it's probably a lot of, it's also residuals and, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's also the heart of the show. Right. <laughs> Counterpoint. <laughs> it's also the but the people NBA. for whom that means yeah. anything are not going to watch it on Netflix. Or maybe they will with their kids or their yeah. niece. That's what I'm saying. When what you go back to watch those song, nostalgia then? shows. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So I'm glad that you guys liked the album yes it's beautiful um everybody i keep forgetting people are gonna listen and watch this because i'm so in this moment with you guys but yes everyone go listen to this album it's gorgeous and enjoy yeah and all the albums before it and all the albums to come thank you so much for having me this was so amazing this is a blast thanks for coming on and i should tease to you and to our listeners that tegan and sarah did soul sisters last week and that episode oh. is coming Wait, so what? stay tuned which i wasn't there iTunes. for and i'm so excited that's so exciting yeah i, I caught them at, at the meadows we haven't even talked about this out. i know Ooh. anyway it's a good one so yay that's um, amazing full yeah. circle so yeah you guys got excited. some good people we'll have Joy I mean, Weldon and tegan and sarah in the same month on soul sisters boom we're yay. good we can quit now okay yeah peace out drop mic mic drop mic. <laughs> When you die, will the birds fly away and make a perfect formation in the sky? Will I learn to love shadows of you? I'll do anything, anything, anything to keep you close. Oh, oh. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 